Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. As you may have noticed, I am not Pastor Rocky. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, uh, my name is Pastor Scott. I'm the student pastor here at Destiny Community Church. And I get the wonderful opportunity to um, share with you today a little something I feel like God has laid in my heart. And uh, I, I, as we speak, I'm just going to kind of share a little bit of me. So we may not have had the opportunity again to, to really rub elbows together and do life together. But um, I'm going to be vulnerable. So hopefully you'll be a little vulnerable today a little bit. We're going to laugh. We're going to enjoy one another. I hope we're going to laugh. You're supposed to laugh at certain points at this. But, um, but I'm going I'm to share something with you that uh, I, you just normally don't go out and tell people that you do this or you enjoy this. And I actually enjoy reading um, the famous last words of individuals. I, I don't know if that's morbid. I don't know if that's just weird. But I like to read someone's last words before they enter into eternity. Um, and, and the thing about this is you can get uh, a different perspective on life with what someone is probably going to say at the last moment of their life. Um, you can kind of get an idea of their personality a little bit, um, what they've gone through in life. Some of it kind of makes you wonder what type of medication they may have been on before they entered into eternity because sometimes it's just a little strange. But uh, some of these things are just different. They're, some are just ironic. Uh, there is a general for the um, northern, uh, for the Union Army. His name was John uh, Sedwick. Um, and his famous last words were this, they couldn't hit an elephant from this dist. And he didn't get to stop or, or fulfill that full sentence before he was killed by a sniper's bullet. And so some of these things are just, just a little ironic. Uh, some are very loving. Uh, men. Your wives are here with you. Just kind of look at them and be like, this is, this is what I'm going to say to you uh, when time comes. Um, and and, and, and P.T. Bartom's uh, famous last words to his wife was this, I want you to know my thoughts are of you. And that's just, that's just sweet. That's the stuff of Hallmark movies, right? Um, I think Nikki probably wants to hear more, I doubled my life insurance um, <laughs> instead of my thoughts are on you. Um, some are pretty manly. This is, this is probably the way I would necessarily, you know, would, my last words would want to be. Um, but they're Robert Childers' last words. And he's, he's saying this as he's facing a firing squad. This is what Robert Childers says. He goes, take a step forward, lads. It'll be easier that way. Now, that's a man. That's a man, man right there. He's like, I laugh in the face of danger. Ha, 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 right? Um, he's not worried at all, right? He's, 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 he's tough. Um, others are heroic. This is very uh, a famous uh, quote here. Uh, last word, the last audible words of Todd uh, Beamer were of him trying to rally a group of guys on a plane that was hijacked of uh, Flight 93 on September 11th. And his last words, are you guys ready? Let's roll. Um, and as I mentioned, some of these you kind of you know, you get inspired. Some of these you might say, oh, some of these are like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, this one I just don't understand. Some of these last words you might just think, okay, you have more questions than answers, and you just kind of want to expound on what actually this means. Uh, but Salvador Dali's last words were this, where is my clock? 
Where is my clock? And, and for me, I, my mind starts rolling because I'm, I'm a visual person. And so all I, am, all I imagine is that there's a group of people surrounding him and, and they're all looking at one another as like, did you bring the clock? I, I didn't bring the clock. Who has the clock? Or, or, or maybe there was like this giant grandfather clock in the corner and somebody bumped into it, knocked it over, broke it, something. And, and instead of him being upset at his last moments, they moved it and he woke up and he saw the clock was missing and he was upset. I don't know. He was a strange dude. You know, he's very artistic. Maybe he had one of those cat clocks, you know, that their eyes moved back and forth, the tail moved, and that he just wanted to see that one last time. I don't know. Was his dog's name clock? I, I, it's just these things. You just leave. You're left wanting to know more than what you were given. Uh, but today, I kind of want to look at the famous last words of Jesus that we recorded, uh, that are recorded in Matthew chapter 28. Because what I think that we are great at doing is making something more difficult than it really should be. Um, a lot of times, it's just a simple task, but we will we will make it that much more difficult. Um, my daughter, she's a whole lot of macaroni and cheese. And so instead of us having our daughter eat all the foods that we eat, we, we make macaroni and cheese for her a lot. And so we, we have this microwavable mac and cheese. It's very healthy, if you have not tried it. Um, basically, you take the cover off, you pour a little bit of water in there, and you put it in the microwave for three and a half minutes, all right? So you would think it's pretty simple, but a lot of times we'll make it a little more difficult than it really is. And we'll be like, oh, we got to make macaroni and cheese for Piper. And so we kind of get in there. There's a label on there. They, there's instructions. And as simple as it is, I still find myself reading the instructions every time. There's even a fill line that you don't have to, you know, don't miss it. It is right there in front of you. Um, but there's warning labels on top of things that probably shouldn't have warning labels too. Like a hammer. You would think you wouldn't hit yourself in a finger with a hammer. But I did that a few weeks ago, and, and it is not a pretty sight right here. And, and I, I'm going to share something with you I haven't shared with anybody else. Well, I'll share with a few people because it was mean. But Pastor Rocky, the next day after I manly, just like strong force, smashed straight on my finger with a hammer, it is swollen, it is hurting, I'm being strong about it. I'm like coming into work. I didn't even call in. I came into work. And I'm like, man, my finger hurts. It's, it's full of pressure and blood and all this other stuff. And, I'm, and Pastor Andrew's just like looking at it. He's just like disgusting. I'm like, you want to touch it? And he's like, no, I don't want to touch it. But Pastor Rock's like, I'll touch it. So I'm like, feel how much pressure there is right here. You know, being a pastor, you know, holy man that he is, you would think he'd get some anointing oil. He'll lay hands on it. Think, Lord Jesus, bless it, touch it, heal it in the name of Jesus. No. He grabbed a hold of that thing like a bass with an artificial worm and just shook that thing like a, no lie. Right, Pastor Andrew? He did. We're rebuilding that trust that we have for one another right now. But no, there should be a warning label on certain things like that because sometimes we make things more difficult than it really is. And, and, and Jesus' last command here to his apostles um, shortly before he ascended into heaven was just an outline of what Jesus expected of his followers to continue in his absence. And if you will join with me, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you all the, to the very end of the age. Um, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, these three verses here, God has given us a mission. Now, now look at your neighbor and say, you've been given a mission. Now look at your other neighbor and say, you've got a mission too. We've all been given a mission. And I don't know about you, but I, I like a mission. I'm a mission task oriented type guy. You give me a mission, I'm good to go. You make something very vague and you don't put it out there very much. It's probably not going to get done by me. But you say, Pastor Scott, I've got this mission. I need this to be accomplished. I'm like, yes, sir, I'm on it. Let me go do this. I'm I'm one of those OCD type people to where uh, all my little missions, all my little tasks, I write them down. And then I put a little box right beside them. So when I finish that mission, I can check that off. Anybody else like me? A little weird? All right, I appreciate you people. The rest of you, I'll grow to love you. But this is the thing. I, I, I love simple little missions. My, the movies that I enjoy, mission-focused, easy to the point. There's not a lot of scheme. There's not a lot of drama in between it. You know, it's just clear. Let's, let's get to the mission. Let's get to the point. Let's finish this thing. Shrek. All Shrek wanted was his land back from Lord Farquaad, Right? Mission, get a princess from a dragon-guarded castle. That was it. Done. Let's go in, get the mission. It's easy. Movie Sandlot. Precious baseball is lost. Mission, find lost baseball. That's all you got to do. Find that lost baseball. We are good to go. Goonies. Just a gang of misfit kids and their families about to be evicted from their homes so that a golf course could be made where they live unless enough money can be raised to stop the development. Mission, find lost treasure, safe house. That's it. Mission, good, go. You give me a clear mission, I will follow that till the end. I'm a simple guy. So when Jesus tells me to go and make disciples, my mission is to go and what? Make disciples. Exactly that. There's no reason to make it that more difficult And that's exactly the task God has given us. He's given us a world-saving mission, and it's in our hands. And some of you are like, okay, how about it be in somebody else's hands, not my hands? BJ, how do you feel about it being in your hands? It's a little little pressure, right? How How about everybody else's hands in here? My hands might be okay, but I don't know if I trust everybody else's hands, right? I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I trust a slingshot in some of y'all saying, some of y'all, y'all would shoot me on purpose. Some of you shoot yourself on accident, right? Because you never, you don't know how to work it. But no, we've we've all been given this purpose and, and it's in our hands to step out and fulfill that purpose. Now, some of you, I'm sure, are good, but others, look around. Don't make eye contact, but look around. It's a little, little iffy at best. But if the salvation of the world is on us, which it is, what are we doing about it? Because this is the thing. So many times we don't see ourselves as the ones to go and fulfill that command that God has given us. We're, we easily want to push that on somebody else. You know, sometimes we see ourselves as a misfit or, or maybe just a silly group of kids trying to have fun during the summer. Or maybe, maybe we see ourselves as a big old scary ogre and, and, and we, just, we just don't want anything to do with it. 
But in our lives, God has told us that it is our mission to go out. I love who Jesus is talking to. And I think it's very important that we recognize exactly the audience that Jesus is talking to here. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to a group of roughneck men. He's, he's, he's speaking to a, a group of ragamuffin individuals. He's speaking to tax collectors. He's speaking to, to fishermen. Uh, he's speaking to a group of rebels. He's speaking to a group of men that outwardly we would not look at them and say, this is the group that Jesus is going to put the extent of his salvation, of his forgiveness on these men's shoulders. Now, let's be honest. And when we start talking about things like this, we think of ourselves in that same boat. We think of ourselves of not being good enough. We think, oh, okay, I understand there is a mission, but I'm not the one to go fulfill that mission. Leave that to Pastor Rocky. Leave that to Pastor Andrew. Leave that to someone else who is much better and far superior in these areas of the Bible and church and this and that to fulfill that. And so many times we get the idea of I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm a nobody. And we start throwing labels on ourselves that God never intended for us to have. I love the words. I love verse 18, what Jesus says right there. What he says to reassure us, he says, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven is on earth and has been given to me. Um, so all the excuses that we have that we could, we could lay out before Jesus, he says, that's fine. All, all the things that we say, you know what, I have a speech impediment. God says, that's fine, I could use that. And some of us would be like, you know what, but uh, 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 I'm the least of my family. God says, that's perfectly fine. We're good with that. I have a withered hand. God says, okay, I could use that. I've got an illness. I've got a disease. God says, no problem. And this is the thing. All the things that we think of ourselves, all the reasons, all our insecurities, all the reasons why we say we can't, Jesus is saying in return, that's exactly why you can because I am with you. Jesus is saying, look, I've got the authority. Everything that you are battling with, everything that you're insecure about, don't, don't worry about it. He says, take your insecurities and wrap them in my authority. He says, "Go." He says, take your past, your sin, your history, and wrap them in my holiness. Jesus is telling the, the, the disciples and telling us, look, your weaknesses are made perfect in my strength. Wrap them in my strength. And Jesus is just trying to encourage them time and time again. And I think we need to encourage ourselves. If you're anything like me, and I told you I was going to be a little vulnerable with you, uh, we allow labels to be thrown on us that God didn't intend to have spoken over us. God made us a certain way, but we've allowed people to come in and try to change the thought process that we have in our minds. I remember at a very young age coming in, and I had a speech impediment, and I remember being made fun of at school for saying like things like cough and puss. Uh, I didn't pronounce any of my R's very well, so people made fun of me. It is what it is, right? I'm a better person because of it. I still cry a little bit, but... Um, but no, I remember, I remember people making fun of me uh, at school. I remember going through school and, and people putting labels on me like, uh, uh, oh, you, you know, you, you can't speak really well. You, you can't read very well and all this. And, and, and what made it even worse is I remember being in first grade and, and God loved my teacher. She was a sweet lady, but she separated the students that could read pretty well and the rest of us that could not. And I remember sitting in that other group of, of the knots and looking over there and being like, yeah, I'm not a good speller, but I'm great at PE. 
I could eat all my lunch, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, all these things, and, and, but that, stays, that stuck with me. All through school, I had to go through classes like EH and SLD, and, and we had a, a term for SLD. I don't think they have it anymore, uh, but we called it slow learning dummies, and that's, that's what we called ourselves. And, 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 and what I would remember is my teacher would come up or, or someone would come up and they would knock on the door of the class and they would be like, I need Scott Campbell. And I'd be like, that's me. I'm going to my special class. You know, and, I, and I would just walk off uh, in ashamed and of what was taking place of these things. And, and it stuck. It, it stuck to me. And, and, and to this day, I still, I still battle with, with, with um, reading and, and enunciating words. And, and sometimes I just make up words like I almost did a second ago. I made up this word, pronunciate. And I really thought it was a word for a while. Um, but apparently it's pronounce and enunciate. And I just combined the two. So my English teacher over here, she's, she's making notes right now. But Bible tells in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I love that. Because that is an encouragement not only to myself but to every single one of us. That whoever we think we are, with all of our insecurities, with all the labels, with all the things that's been thrown on us, God's saying, no, 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 in me, you're a new creation. And who better to write this than Paul? Paul was, was the man that sought to imprison and persecute early Christians. Paul was the man who stood as a witness when Jesus' disciples, uh, uh, Stephen, was stoned to death simply for witnessing in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul's the one who labeled himself the chief of sinners. So if anybody knows what it is to be this new creation in Jesus Christ, it was Paul. And Paul is encouraging us, look, step out in who God is now created you with, whom God, Christ is, is working in you to go and advance the, the kingdom for his name's sake. In Christ, we're able to continue Jesus' purpose as we walk and talk in his authority. In Christ, we are able to be literally his hands, his feet, and his voice. Let's continue verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If I were to ask you today, you know, what was the purpose of Jesus? A lot of us would, would say, you know, Jesus, uh, his main purpose was to come and save us, which was, is a great purpose, is, 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 is one of the main purposes he came. However, Jesus didn't just come to save us, but Jesus came to save us and he sent us. See, see, Jesus called us to be a follower of him and he sent us out to make other followers. God has saved us and he has also sent us. We're happy to hold on to the safe side. Yes, God has saved me from this lifestyle. He saved me from drugs. He saved me from addictions. He saved me from a pornography. He saved me from this. He saved me from that. And we're, we'll hold on to those things. We'll, we'll share that with everybody else. But when it goes to the sin part, we're like, no, 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 no. We'll allow somebody else to do it. That's not my job. That's, that's not the giftings God has given to me. But God didn't ask. With this gifting, you are able to go. No, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. We're good with the saved, we're not with the sin. Jesus saved us and he has sent us. The mission was to go and make disciples. And understand this, if we're missing the mission, people are missing the message. 
If we're missing the mission, people, are, are our friends, our families, our co-workers are missing the life-changing, life-saving message of God's love and his forgiveness, and they're missing it all together. Let's continue verse 20. It says, In the teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is basically sharing the gospel. The gospel in Greek is basically just good news. Us sharing good news. Basically us sharing the good news of what God has done in our life. Us sharing the good news of, of, of our testimony. And every single one of us, if, if we've ever, ever accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have a testimony. Something God has saved us from. And we're able to just share that. But again, I think what we do is we make it so much more complicated than it really should be. We think we have to have a, a degree in Bible and, and, and Bible history and theology and all this stuff. When God says, no, you don't have to worry about those things. Just go and share the good news. Because a lot of times we put the pressure on ourselves. But at last that I've checked, I don't have the ability to save anybody. Only Jesus Christ does. God didn't tell me to go and save the world. That was Jesus' mission. God just told me to go and make disciples, to share the good news of the word. And sharing our testimony is simply put, just sharing our story, sharing what God has done for us. Romans 10, 14 to 15 says this, How then can we call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone speak or preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love that. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. How many of you say, Pastor Scott, I got some beautiful feet? No takers? Because y'all are liars if you say you do. Because feet are ugly. There's no pretty feet. And the longer you look at feet, just the worse they get. And, and as I was kind of thinking about this, I was thinking about different styles of feet. And I'm going to kind of go through this. And as I'm going through this, I, you know, you, you might see where you're at a little bit. But, but I, what I would say is the most common feature of feet would be this, is that you have your decline feet, which would be your big toes here. And your little toe is here. And you just have this decline slope, right? You just have this little slope of big toe to little toe. And so for most of us, we're kind of in that ballpark. But then for some of us, we got that drop off. Right? We got the drop off where you got, you know, a few toes here and then the rest of the toes are over here. And it just, like Nemo, it just drops off. It's, you know, it's, it's gone. And, and maybe that's where we're at. For some of you, you got that growth spurt toe. Where your big toe's here, that other one's like way up here. It's just looking over everybody else. Like, what's up, guys? That's where we're at. Some of you, it's kind of where I'm at. I got that bashful toe. And where my, 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 my little peaky toe, my fifth toe, man, it's a little shy. And it doesn't, it doesn't it, even on barefoot, they don't see the light of day. It just kind of curls in a little bit. I'm like, come on, little fella, you know, don't be shy. These are nice people. And, I, <laughs> and we just put it out there, right? Oh, I ain't done. Some of you have got them alien toes where they're out of this world. They're skinny, but they got that big old top, like a little alien head, just, it's there. I ain't going to say names. And then some of y'all got that, the PR feet, the Pastor Rocker toes, 
where they just like this. They look like a jack later on Halloween. It's just all messed up. It's just, it's jacked. I just cannot say it because he's not here. But this is the thing. No matter how our feet may look, the Bible tells us beautiful are the feet that bring good news. That's what we're called to do. Go into this world that is full of, of garbage and strife and turmoil and darkness and, and just, just bad stuff. And we are to be the light to bring the good news. Blessed or beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Understand this, what Jesus did not say. It's not our mission to go and condemn the world. Jesus' last words were not go into the world and condemn them. He didn't tell us to go into the world and call people sinners. He didn't tell us to go into the world and, and, and put a spotlight on their sin he didn't tell us to go into the world. He told us to go into the world and make disciples. What we are to do is to go into the world and present the gospel to people. And then as we're, we're walking through this journey, this relationship, this, this growth building in their, their walk with God, then we allow to come alongside them and allow the Holy Spirit to come convict them of their lifestyles. That's what we're called to do. But again, we've got it twisted. We've, we've made it more difficult than it really is. Let the Holy Spirit convict. That's his job. It's not ours. Jesus also didn't say that it's our mission to go into the world and debate the world. Now, I, I've got to speak to myself on this. Because I'm pretty good at arguing about anything and anyone. We could look at this Bible right here and you could say it's brown. I would look at it and be like, you know, there's a little orange to that. And, and I can make a debate of almost anything. My wife can probably attest to this. I'm usually right, 99.9%, but there's always that one little bit that I may have made a mistake on. Or I'll be right in a couple more days after that. But usually it's, I'm good at debating certain things, and I think it's a gift to be able to debate. And, and, but this is the thing, God didn't call me to come and debate. And a lot of times what we as Christians will do is we'll want to start debating people and their beliefs and their walk and their, their, their lifestyle in their relationship with God. But we're called to go and share the gospel, the good news. Again, as we come alongside and they can see our heart and they're able to see we're trying to speak in love to them and not debate them, then we're able to maybe speak into areas of their lives that might be a little difficult. But we, we need to get the idea of, of being a bearer of good news. Which is better, to be someone that brings the good news or to bring bad news? For me, I, I want to be the good news bearer. I want to come down and be like, you got a brand new car. You know, I, I want to be that type of person. I, I don't want to come to him and be like, look, man, you're going to hell. I, I want to be the person that comes alongside and speaks life into them, not one that comes and speaks death into them. And we're called to be bearers of good news. We're called to go and share good news. But too many times we've forgotten this. And I'm speaking to us as believers. Too many times as Christians we've forgotten that. That is our purpose. That is our goal to go and share good news. And we've allowed ourselves to get distracted. And if we'll be honest, it's very easily to get distracted. I'm, I'm, I'm easily distracted. Very easily distracted. I'm the type of person, I see something, I'm like, okay. In school, I was the type of guy that would be taking a test, and I'm horrible at tests as it is, but I would be taking a test, and I would just start zoning out, and I would start counting like the ceiling tiles on the, on the roof. Or I would start looking at the grain pattern of the desk in front of me, and I would start seeing patterns, or I'd use that as a maze, and I'd try to find my way out of that, or I'd look at patterns on the carpet, 
and you start seeing like designs, like 3D designs come out of it. Anybody else? Am I the only one tripping in school? I, I'm telling you. I would see these things. I'm like, oh, that's a clown. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not. And I'm, I'm, I would get distracted. And we get distracted as Christians. And as Christians, we easily get distracted and we lose focus on what's important. And we start debating certain things like, where is my parking spot or where is my seat in the church? One of the biggest things that I was concerned with coming from a church that was really established, we had celebrated over 100 years before I came here and then coming to a fairly young church celebrating 13 years, I think it was at the time when we came, that you didn't have that ownership, this is my parking spot, this is my chair. Granted, we were in the Panther Palace, we had folding chairs and that chair would disappear week in and week out. But now that we came in here, one of my biggest fears was that someone would come in and claim ownership of this is my chair. When technically it's not. It's the church's chair. And it's made to fit whomever sits on it first, right? And, 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 and if you feel like I'm stepping on your toes, I'm not doing that. Your toes are already messed up as it is. I don't want them to step on them anymore, all right? But what I'm saying is that we get distracted, And I've seen it happen where someone new will come into a church, they come to sit down, and that person walks over and says, you're in my seat. They don't know anybody in the church, but now all they have is this view of a Christian as someone being upset that they're they're sitting in a spot that they normally see themselves. And we get distracted with certain things. We could do the same thing with the type of music. I'll be honest with you. We have a great worship band, and I love them. There's no buts. Y'all are great. I grew up singing hymns. My music goes back to hymns. I'm an old soul. I like listening to that type of music. So if I'm usually humming something, it's usually an old hymn. Like, swing low, sweet chariot, or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's just old stuff. And I love singing those things. But what we'll do, and we'll get distracted in the church, and we'll start debating which style is right and which is wrong. Well, are we glorifying the name of Jesus Christ or not? Because that, that's the only thing that really matters, is that Jesus Christ is being glorified in his house. But we've allowed ourselves to get distracted. We've allowed ourselves to worry about what has taken place rather than this. And, and the enemy knows that if he could get our focus off of Christ and get our focus on all these other things that really don't matter, won't add up to a hill of beans or anything in the future... He knows that he's one. Because if we, we, we focus, if we major on the minor things, Satan knows that we're too focused on winning debates rather than winning the lost. He understands that we're too busy looking spiritual rather than being Christ-like. And this is the thing, distracted Christians are defeated Christians. When we are distracted on the purpose and the plan that God has for us, we are defeated to win against the enemy that is coming up against us. We are defeated to go and make disciples. Let's continue, verse 20. And he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The disciples were with Jesus for three years, a little over three years. They watched him heal the sick. They watched him cast out demons, which probably would have been pretty cool. Walk on water, seen him raise himself from the dead. They've seen Jesus do all these things. 
And now Jesus is about to send into heaven. And I'm sure there's this anxiety that's taking place. Like, you know, we just went three days without you, much less now you're gone all the time. We, we went back to fishing when you left for three days. Now you're saying you're going to be gone continuously? But, but he, what he tells us here is that he is going to be with us. He encourages the disciples, look, it doesn't matter if I'm physically here or not. I'm going to be with you to the very end. And, and the Bible tells us that in um, 1 Corinthians 3.16, basically he tells us the spirit of God dwells in us. So it doesn't matter where we go or what we do, that we have the spirit of God in us. We're able to move and act on not our own behalf, but understanding that the power of God is with us. And I don't know about you, but that's reassuring to me. Because this is the thing, I know my insecurities. I know my weaknesses. And, and this being on the stage speaking to you guys, this is not a strong suit of mine. You want me to go and build something? Sure, I, I got you on that. You want me to go and, and tear something down? Good to go. You want me to read something in front of people? <laughs> not so confident. But the only reason I'm able to do this is because I know that I'm not alone in doing this is that I've got the Spirit of God right here with me, moving and encouraging me. I couldn't get on this stage, I couldn't stand before you without his power, and I couldn't forgive others without his grace in my life as well. And that's what God has called us to do. And I'm gonna bring this to an end, but I want us to understand this. Our mission, Jesus' last words, to go and make disciples. That is exactly what we are to do. When we have Christ in us, that means we are to bring Christ to the people. And, and, and for so long, I got this wrong. I, I thought people would come to me, and then I could share Christ. And, and for, for many, many years as, as a young Christian, I remember growing up and thinking, you know, if, if I'm just doing things better than everybody else, than, than the sinners are doing, honestly, if, if, if my Christian life is better than the sinful life that they're living, then I'm doing a good job. And if somebody comes to me and starts to want to have a, a conversation of, of what it is to go to church and, 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 and live for God, okay, then I can have that conversation and I can witness to them. And, and so in my mind, that is exactly what took place. But then I recognize something in Luke chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus is given this example of a shepherd that has 100 sheep and one goes lost. And Jesus says, don't you leave the 99 to go find that one? That's what we're called to do. We're called to bring Jesus into this world. We're called to bring Jesus to lost people. And, and I realized I knew exactly who that one was, that one lost individual in my life that I was to go after. Because this is a thing for many, many years, uh, I would pray for my dad. For many, many years, I, I, would, I would pray. This is, this is basically what my prayer was. Dear Lord, my dad needs you. And, 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 and I just pray that you would send someone into his life to share Jesus with him. It, it, that was my prayer my prayer was basically saying, God, send somebody else to share the message, the life-saving message of Jesus Christ to my dad. And then all of a sudden, I had this, this, this revelation, this, this understanding that, no, 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 it's not their purpose, but it was my purpose. And when that ownership took place, I remember exactly what I started to do. I started to think, okay, this is my purpose. This is my plan. This, this is my mission 
for my dad. And so what I did was it, was, it was in the month of June, and it was almost Father's Day. And so I went out, and I said, I'm going to buy him a Bible. So I went out, and I bought him a Bible. I went home, I opened that Bible up, and I wrote, To Scott Campbell, from Scott Campbell Jr. Then I put June 17th, 2001 on there. See, my dad, he, he wasn't just a non-believer. He was, he was very adamant atheist. My dad would say things like we're brainwashed and that Christianity was a crutch for weak people. And, and we, we had conversations, pretty strong conversations. Well, he had a conversation with me about how I shouldn't be a Christian. And I just remember thinking there's no way that I'm able to be the one to bridge that gap with my dad. And, and I remember getting that Bible and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to send this off. He's going to get it for Father's Day. He's going to open it. He's going to read it. And then, whoo, glory is going to happen. It's, there's going to be a change. And it could happen that way. But I got my Bible. And like a lot of us do, we start to get distracted. And I got a little distracted and, and, and I didn't send it. I held on to it for a week and a week turned into a month and a month turned into six months. And I, and I remember having that Bible on my dresser every single day and I would come home and I would see that Bible thinking I need to send that out to my dad I gotta get that to my dad it's my mission I gotta get that to him six months after I bought that Bible December 21st 2001 I'm at work someone comes up to me and says hey your mom's here I go outside my mom's there and she's just she's kind of crying a little bit and I'm like you know what's going on and I got the news I didn't know my dad was sick but my dad died. I never got the opportunity to give him his Bible. I never got the opportunity, opportunity to share the good news with my dad. And, 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 and this is my thing. If that happened to me, I don't want it to happen to you. And if we get anything out of this message today, if we get anything out of, of Matthew 28, is don't wait. Don't expect somebody else to do what God has already called us to do. And, and I know if we're in a room this size that there's people here today that have loved ones that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a, a niece, a nephew, maybe it's a mom, maybe it is a dad. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been praying that God would just send somebody else to do it. But he's already called us to go and share. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.